Fantastic. Good to see you here on Father's Day. Father's Day is an interesting uh, time in church. Did you know that Father's Day is uh, historically the least attended service on a year? And Mother's Day is one of the highest attended services. And so I thought about that. And, one, and I thought about the reason is, is that like many times people feel a bit of issues when it comes to fathers. And fathering is difficult and many of us have had interesting times with our fathers. But I also thought about it like this, is that sometimes we get the mums up here and we go, Mum, you are awesome. You're incredible. You do all this, this and this. And then on Father's Day, we go, blokes, come on. You need to pull your socks up. You need to start doing this better and better and better. So today I'm going to be very encouraging to all you fathers. So don't you worry. I'm going to be kind and nice. I do want to thank you for your giving, uh, for our provision for the vision uh, last weekend and, and for this really this month we just received that offering and if you still wanted to give just make sure you designate it so that you put provision for the vision so that we can know that we've done that but we have received up till now $125,000 that's amazing that is really really amazing and so I want to thank you and as I said last week we don't take that for granted we don't have an, any expectation on that we just humbly receive that, and then we're going to pray to God how to best put that to use that's going to extend the kingdom of God and make the name of Jesus famous. So I uh, do very, very heartfelt thank you for your obedience, for your sacrifice, and for your generosity. It is excellent. So uh, also, I do want to encourage you, if, if you love me, right, on this Father's Day, if I'm the father of the house, right, do this present for me. Register early for the summer, yeah. all right? Don't wait until the week of the summer and, and I'm just all stressed out. There's three people coming. What's going on, right? Like, and, and the staff, be kind to the staff, right? Like, so I don't have to be mean to them. Come on, why aren't you getting people to the summer? So um, if you could just register early, uh, that would be fantastic. And it's going to be a great time. Yeah. I think in times like this, those times when we get together, as family is very, very important, and that's what it's about. We don't invite all other churches. We don't invite, make this big thing. We, it's for our family. It's for our church. It's our church coming together as a family and just spending time in the presence of God, and I believe that's very, very important. So let's pray. Father, I ask that you would uh, take the words that I'm about to say today, make them real, Make them mean something, O oh God. Let them be helpful, O oh God. Let them be challenging, O oh Lord. And Father, let it be in Jesus' name that, Father, you do something in the hearts of the hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. So one of the great things of my life is actually being a dad. I actually love being a dad. I love my three children, and uh, it's, it's great. You know, it gives me so much happiness but let me tell you, there are definitely times of tribulation. You know, this year is the first year I'm not going to have all my three kids together. You know, one of my kids is in Europe, in, in London. They, they started work this week in a school in Paddington. And so for the first time ever, I'm not going to be with my middle child, who says we just forget her anyway, right? But uh, um, she's got that real middle child syndrome. At school, she did a project on middle children, Right? And what she did is she said, here's a family photo, and she photoshopped it, right, and photos of out of the picture, and then put herself right in the distance at the back and said, this is what my family does. 
right? So she prophesied herself not being in our family this week. Right, so, but it, it's, you know, like, I'm really happy for her. I think it's fantastic that she's gone and done this. At her age, to go and do that, I, I'm, it, it's wonderful. But I just miss her. She does ring me every day, right? But I still just miss her in some ways. I talk to her more now than I ever have, right? But, but it's just, she's not there. She, and and, and it's, so it's a difficult thing. Now, some people say one particular age is better than another. But as being a father, I, I want to say that I actually loved every age, I loved it when they were real light babies. I loved it when they were toddlers. I loved it when they were cheeky little kids just running around and just loved everything dad did. Dad was the hero. That was a pretty good time, right? And then, then you know, I loved their teenagers and I loved, you know, like what's going on now with them. But I do want to say that it's much easier looking after a baby because just changing a nappy or a bit of vomit on your shirt is a lot easier than some of the things you're going to go through when they're teenagers <laughs> or when they're adults, you know, we used to have a house that was busy with kids and their friends. And, and, and it was just a, a wonderful house. Every night we'd have a full dinner table and, and we would talk about our day and, and it was good. I want to tell you now, most tea times now, right, it's just Nina and I watching the news, right? It's just that's what's happened. And that's a paradox of parenting. I've talked about it before. You're given by God, someone completely dependent on you. And if you're successful, you actually make them independent of you. And so parenting can suck like that. I, I have to admit that when I took my daughter to the airport and I realized that she wasn't going to be coming back into our house for a really long time, I cried like a baby. I literally cried because I was just sad that I was going to miss my girl. But it's a sign that our parenting has been good that I'm able to see her go and do that. And, and, and so it's, 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 it's tough. When your kids are struggling, when they go through a pain, when someone hurts them, when they have to go through something that you know you just can't lift them out of, it's tremendously hard as a parent. And uh, so I, I do want to talk a little bit about that today. You know, Father's Day can actually be tough, as we said before since morning, for many people. And having run a group for over 10 years of, of separated and divorced people, I, I constantly saw the pain that a day like Father's Day can bring. It reminds us of a broken relationship or it reminds us of the fact that you're not going to see your kids or, or your kids believe something about you that isn't true or, or the fact that your dad is no longer with you or, and there'll be people here that lost their father just this year, or their father's going through something horrible. It may be very difficult for you. Maybe this day reminds you of a child that passed away. It must be terrible. I think of my niece and her husband, what they're feeling like today, just having lost their little two-year-old son. It must be terrible. And so a day like today can actually bring sadness. And I know that it affects us. You know, my father, he's passed away, and I remember one day sitting in church and unannounced, without talking to me, they were doing a Father's Day presentation and they put a big picture of my father on the screen. And I wasn't prepared for it. And I had a real visceral reaction to it. I was like, whoa! Like, it was almost like, I, could you have told me that you were going to do that so I could have prepared myself? So I, I promise you I'm not going to put any father's pictures up today. And so today I want to pray for those 
who are actually doing it tough right now because of the different circumstances that have happened in your life. And so I want to pray, Father, I ask right now that the spirit of comfort, that the spirit of, of your comfort would come upon people right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I can't take away the pain because it's actually real. It's a sign of of relationship and love. But Father, I pray, let there come strength and let there come peace in the middle of this time, O God. Father, let people see that you have it in hand, that you are in control, O God. And Father, I pray, walk with these people right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible says there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that that a friend is built for the day of a time of adversity. And so today, if you know someone's actually doing it tough, you know someone who's actually, this is a difficult day for them, take a moment and just give them a call. Invite them out for lunch or, or do something so that they're just not feeling alone during a difficult time. I also want to do something today which is a little bit different. But Marion came to me today. And Marion's been a long-term member of our church, and she's been married for 40 years. And for 40 years, she's prayed every year, God, let my husband be saved. And she just asked whether some men of the church would be able to gather around her. Maybe you could stand, Marion, right? And some of the men of the church, if you could just gather around, and we're going to pray for her husband. We're going to pray right now. For 40 years, she's prayed. For 40 years, she's just believed. And there's godly men right around her, and she wants to see her husband stand in church willingly. Father, I pray right now for Marion's husband, oh God. Father, everyone can be touched by you, oh God. Father, and I pray in the name of Jesus, oh God. Father, that Marion's husband would come to know you, oh Lord. Father, not be religious, not just come to church, but actually know you, oh God. Father, that, that in their latter years, oh God, they can share so much of their relationship with you and, and their walk with you together, Father. Lord, I pray for Marion right now who's feeling so, so bereft right now. Father, come into her spirit, oh God. Let a courage and a, and a faith and a love come into her spirit right now in Jesus' name. Father, we speak to this situation and we declare salvation. We declare salvation. We declare salvation, Father, into this circumstance, oh God. Father, touch Mary and touch her husband and let salvation come in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. You know, hearing the word Father and then mention it in the sense of God as well, it can be, it can be difficult. You can in your stomach feel it tighten and you can feel your blood pressure rise, even Hearing about God, your heavenly Father, is difficult for you because you view God through the lens of your earthly Father, a Father who may have hit you, shamed you, abandoned you, flew off the handle at the smallest slight, or just had big insecurities, a Father who never really gave you the time that you wanted or would have liked. But as many as you have learned, our, our heavenly Father is actually not like that at all. And it can take a long time to change our understanding of God. And for many of us, Christian life is actually a journey of being reparented by our Father in heaven and discovering the Father heart of God, of our Father in heaven. I want to tell you, 
how you can see, how if you see God as your father or not. See, religion says this, I have messed up, my dad's going to kill me. So if you feel like that, I, I messed up, God's going to get me, maybe you haven't got the relationship that you need to have with your heavenly father. Christianity says, I've messed up, I need to call my dad. I need to talk to my dad. You know, that's the uh, kind of relationship I've tried to have with my children. That, you know, like I know my kids are going to have some secrets, or every kid has. But I don't want my kids living a, a secret life. If they did something that they weren't proud of, that they'd still come and speak to me. If they're going through something that I might say, come on, just push through, that they'd still kind of want to come and speak to me. I, I want to have that, but that's the relationship that I have with my God. All my kids are different. You know, Jack is strong. He's just a bull, right? He's, a, he's got determination and he's got an amazing ability to sum up a situation. You know, Rachel has an incredible outgoing nature, incredible emotional intelligence. She's very, very smart at picking up the feel of where someone's at and the thing of a room. Tori is just affectionate. You know, even someone today came to me, your daughter gives the best hugs. And it's true, I call it a Tory hug. I've actually given it a name. It's a Tory hug, and it's awesome. I can just make my whole day better getting a Tory hug, and she's sitting on the front row with me this morning. And, and I want to say, Tory is completely honest. There's literally no guile in her. What, who, what she feels is what she feels, and, and she's just a, a beautiful one. And, and, and her independence, it just attracts me. I, I like it. They're all so different, yet I love them all. Sometimes they upset me. Sometimes they disobey me. No. <laughs> Sometimes they cause me pain. Being a father showed me why God took a risk in creating us. See, God could have created us just as robots, pre-programmed to love him, to obey him, to do whatever it is that we told. But he didn't create us like that. He created us with the will, with a will. And we can choose to disobey God. We can choose to go against his wishes. We can choose to do what it is that he doesn't want us to do. And God would never then have experienced the joy that every father feels when, when your child does something, achieves something, and when your child just of their own independent love just does something kind for you and their love is unsolicited. God, by creating us with the ability to not listen, to not love, to not obey, fully fills a relationship with us. You can't have a relationship with a robot. You can only have a relationship with someone that is flesh and blood, that, that there's give and take and there's a sense of wanting. I don't, I don't want Nina to love me just because we said one day 26 years ago and said we'd love each other forever. I want her to actually love me. She wants me to actually love her. And that's what relationship does. See, my kids will disobey, will disappoint, will even fail me, yet I love them passionately. And our Father God in heaven is no different. We disobey, we disappoint, and we even fail him, yet he continues to love us passionately. 
And he doesn't want us all the same. I don't want Rachel to be Tori or Tori to be like Jack. I want them to be who they're made to be. God isn't interested in just making it his cookie cutter. This is what you have to be. 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 He wants you to be you with all your unique gifts, with all your unique abilities, with all your unique passions, with all your unique experiences. He wants you to be you and then live that full life. You know, everyone else may give up on us, but our Father in heaven will never, ever give up on loving us. Our Father in heaven loves us whether we're good or bad, whether we're dirty kids like those kids all covered in mud. Even though I'd love to see my kids like that, I said, he wouldn't come inside. I'd just spray you with a hose, right? See, God took a risk in giving us the choice to love him. And just like some parents here, God knows the heartbreak of one of his kids walking away or thinking that they know better. And just like us here and some parents here, God has some kids that are estranged from him, that aren't walking in relationship with him. God knows that. I want to show you a picture of my dad when he was 55. I was 15 and I'm with my younger brother. Let's put that up. My younger brother is not a serial killer. All right, He does look like he could be. And uh, I can tell I wasn't adopted. All right, does anyone know what I'm talking about? I mean, uh, is anyone? So, like, there's my dad. He's 55, and I love my dad. He's a very, very good dad. My dad was a good man. He loved me, and he did what he thought best. You know, as a child, I would get migraines. I still get them now. But my dad would literally say, I would like to take that migraine off you so that you wouldn't have to feel that. I'm not as compassionate as my dad, am I, Tori? Right? <laughs> so, right? And he'd honestly want to take that. My dad was very soft. My dad very rarely got angry. But my dad was a flawed man. You know, my dad was born in the 20s, early 20s, just after World War I. So there was a, it was a difficult time in the world, many, many changes going on. He had a sick father, so he was very unable to kind of have a joyous time with his brother and, and do lots of noisy things that kids are meant to do because they always had to be quiet because their dad was sick. And they then went through the Depression, which was a tough time for the whole world. And when you haven't got a father who's working because he's sick, it's, it's a difficult, difficult time. Then World War II came, and he was taken to uh, Germany, and, and, and it was a... It was a very difficult time. In, in fact, when he came back from Germany, he had to walk from Germany. He was covered in lice and scabies and all these different things. His own mum, typical Dutch mum, right, wouldn't let him inside until he cleaned himself up, even though he'd just come back from a war and walked all the way from Germany. See, he had, that, that experience gave him a negative outlook. He would always look at not the cup half full. He would look at the cup as like one quarter full. Right? He just had a negative outlook on everything. He always thought something was bad was going to happen and he expected his life to be hard and he expected that life would be miserable and for 40 years he worked a job that he would just openly say, oh, hey, I don't like doing. So obviously his kids were affected by that. You know, it's especially hard for, for someone like me who's actually got a naturally positive Outlook. I, I, I naturally see things as, as half full. I, I'm not a negative person. 
But I want to say, let's be very careful how we judge our fathers and how we judge their flaws. Hebrews 12, verse 10 says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. I want to say that that last line, doing the best that they knew how. You know, that verse there freed me from so much blame. Freed me from so much throwing disrespect at my father. He did the best that he knew how. He went through all of these things. He lived a difficult life. There were so many things and that made him. It wasn't just nature. There was nurture that made him into this place because life had been hard. Life hadn't been difficult. Life had thrown him things that weren't fair. And so instead of sitting there going, well, you should have been a dad like this. You should have been a dad like that. And sometimes I wonder when I talk to my siblings whether I was brought up in the same family. And the reason is, is that I've come to the terms of this. My dad did the best that he knew how. And sometimes they didn't do right. Sometimes our parents didn't do it best. Sometimes they they had all these things, but they did the best that they knew how. We don't know their parenting. We don't know all the things that they went to get through. Yeah, my dad was a great dad, but he had some flaws. And I want to say I try to be a great dad, but all my three kids will tell you I've got some flaws. But today I'm actually standing right here because of my dad. See, remember, it's not what we leave our kids It's what we leave in them. When I went off the rails, when I was drinking every day, when I was doing drugs every day, when I had no chance or want of getting a job, when I was just living this terrible life, my dad said, I just can't deal with that. I want to do something. I wasn't living by ways that he wanted me to live. I paid him no regard. And so when I went away and my brother and I just started doing crazy things, He did the one thing that he knew what to do. He started going to church. And every Friday night, he would go to church and he would pray for my brother and I. My dad took his sons to God the only way that he knew how. And I want to encourage you this morning, if your kids are doing something crazy, do something, but do something consistently. See, my dad had no idea of spiritual warfare Yet he put into a place a regime of some very powerful spiritual warfare, consistent, unrelenting prayer, not giving up. And I want to say that both my brother and I became Christians. You know, I find it remarkable that many of us see God as our earthly father. My dad was kind and merciful, so it's easy for me to see my Heavenly Father, as kind and merciful. But I always felt that I disappointed my dad. I always felt that he he was disappointed. And to be honest, it was fair because for a lot of times I was doing disappointing things. You know, one of the reasons he'd moved to Australia was that he wanted to make a way for his kids. He rented a house all of his life so that he could put us all through private school. And out of all of that, I'd just become a good-for-nothing entitled druggie 
He felt the whole world owed him everything. And this was pretty hard for a man who at the same age in his life was barely keeping himself alive in a war. That's disappointing to a dad. And seeing his son throw his life away when he sacrificed so much to see that his son had a great life was very real. But he didn't get mad. He didn't yell and scream and do all those things. But I could always sense the disappointment in his eyes. And so when I became a Christian, all of a sudden I got a job. All of a sudden I started to do some things with my life and, and finally I had a good job. I was a, a, a sales manager. I had a company car. I was earning good money. And all of a sudden I remember ringing him up and asking him and telling him, say, I, I'm going to go into the ministry. They've asked me at church to become a pastor and I'm going to do that. And, and I remember he was in Holland at the time and he was just so disappointed. He tried to talk me out of it. Here's his son who finally making something of his life is now going into ministry, is now going into the church, a church that he had no understanding of. He didn't think any, he just thought it was lots much craziness going on here. And so he was very disappointed. So even in coming and doing my life call, I felt that there was disappointment because disappointment was something that I felt he felt. I felt like, oh. And so I have always struggled with feeling like, have I disappointed God? Is God disappointed in me? I didn't pray enough. There should be bigger church. There should be, I could have been done. I should have, I could have. And there's this sense of disappointment that I have to consistently recognize and then consistently battle with. Over the years, I've got better but it's something that's in me because of how we see God many times as we see our Father. You know, I remember, just to finish that story off, is I remember praying one day after he died and I was in a lounge room. We had a picture, we got a picture of, uh, uh, of my dad in our lounge room and, and it's, it's with Jack when Jack was just around nine months old sitting on his knee. And I remember just God giving me a glimpse of him in heaven and, and I could see that that there was joy and understanding in his eyes for me being a pastor and for me, and I know that he was happy for that. And I always honour God for giving me that little glimpse. But even to this day, I can battle thinking I've disappointed God. And I have to constantly and consciously, maybe not constantly, but I have to consciously combat it. It's actually one of the reasons I really love communion. Because every time I do communion... I actually see that God has made me right. There's nothing that I can do. He's my Father in heaven, and he just loves me. You know, communion for me is really like just getting a little hug from God, saying it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I'm with you. I'm for you. I I love you. Psalm 68 verse 5 says, He's a father to the fatherless. That God is a defender of widows is God in his holy calling, holy dwelling. You know, this isn't just speaking about those without fathers. It's actually telling us that in the areas where our imperfect earthly fathers lacked or where they failed, our heavenly father will take up the slack. Our heavenly father is able to take up the slack in the areas where our earthly fathers failed. See, if your earthly father abandoned you 
or wasn't there for you. And you can know that your heavenly Father will never leave you and never forsake you. If your earthly Father abused you, then you can know your heavenly Father loves you and is doing everything that he can to make sure you have a great future and you can have hope in him. If your earthly father judged you and, and was harsh on you, then I want to say that you can know your heavenly father forgives every wrongdoing and still loves you. He loves you. You know, if your, heavenly, if your earthly father was weak and powerless, then you can know your heavenly father, he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Your, your earthly father will be your provider, your protector, your healer, your peace, your rock. He's a lifter of your heads. He's your strength and encouragement. He's your shield and guide. He's your comfort and counselor. Your heavenly father is the almighty God. He has no lack. Your earthly father may have had a lack. Your heavenly father has no lack. And he's a father to the fatherless. Where your earthly father failed, where your earthly father couldn't do, he tried to do his best. He tried to do his best, but he lacked. He just wasn't able. Understand that your heavenly father has no lack. He has everything and is able to be all that you need to do. You know, all of our earthly fathers lacked in some way. All of our earthly fathers. You had made the greatest dad ever. Trust me, there's a lack and there's a flaw. But in our heavenly father, we lack nothing. Now, this next point is, is crucial. It's literally crucial to your relationship with God. And if you don't see it this way, your relationship with God will always be sterile and always just a little bit off kilter. When the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. It's a good prayer, good question. Jesus, they saw Jesus praying. They saw how powerful and effective it was. Jesus teaches how to pray. And the first thing that Jesus said was, Our Father. Our Father. See, prayer is communication with God. It's us talking to our Father in heaven. It's us interacting with our Father in heaven. And Jesus was saying that the foundation of our relationship with him, our relation, our, our foundation of our interaction with God is understanding that he is your Father, knowing and understanding that he is your Father. He's not an unapproachable king on a throne that if he's feeling good might kind of like, you know, extend the scepter and says, come on in. He's not the master of the house that just demands obedience and you're his slave and you better just do what he said. He's not just some teacher who's just got some role that he's got to play in your life to get you to a certain place. He, he is your father. So he cares about you. See, a true father wants their children to do better than what they've ever done. And a father in heaven wants you to do great in life and is going to give you everything that he can 
to make you make that. You know, God is not some austere European father. You know, like we see in the sound of music, you know, like, Father, oh, Father, come here. You know, like, no, he has a relationship. He has a relationship. I want to be part of my children's lives. If Tori is going through something, I want her to come to me. I don't want her to see me as just someone who doesn't really care, someone who's only going to teach her, someone who's only going to provide for her, someone who's only... No, I want her to come to me. I, I want her to ask me, talk to me, feel like i got something to say. I want her to invite me in. That's what prayer is. It's coming to God saying, I invite you in to my work situation. I invite you in into this monetary situation. I invite you in to my relationship. I invite you in. I come because you're my father. I want to hear what you have to say. I, I, I want to hear and, and come. I want to see your perspective on things. Hopefully, when my kids come to me, I'm going to give them some wisdom. But the thing is, when I come to my father in God, I don't have to hope he's going to give me something. I know that he's going to give me something. He's the father of all knowledge. He, he knows everything. He's of all powerful. So I don't have to kind of hope. Like Tori might come to me and she hopes that something that I say might be nice or might help her. She hopes. My father in heaven, I don't have to hope. I know that he's got something for me. God is our dad. God is our father. Romans 8, 5 says, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Look at the contrast here. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. And if you've been a Christian for any time at all, you would know that that Hebrew word is pata. And it's to cry out like a child. It's like actually saying daddy. It's not saying father. It's saying dad. It's not saying I esteem the position. It's actually saying I esteem the relationship. I esteem who you are in my life. And understanding that God is your father is the very foundation of all prayer, of all relationship. I come to a God that cares. Yeah, recently we were at the Pan-Asia Conference and Belinda Groves, who looks after all the street kids in, uh, uh, with Josh, her husband in Lesudu that we support uh, each and every month and, and do an amazing job. Now she was asked, this is a pretty incredible thing, she was asked by the uh, World Bank to actually do a thesis on street kids and why they had been successful in getting so many street kids off the street. And so she did this thing around identity. And she was able to show, she said, you know, we get a street kid off the street and you put him in a house and you give him some money and you try to give him a bit of education. And soon before you know it, he's just back on the street because he sees himself as a street kid. He identifies as a street kid. So you might give him some money, some food, some shelter for a time. But if he identifies and sees himself as a street kid, he'll soon be back on the street. So what they did is they started to say, no, we're going to give you another identity. They call their group Sapio, which is uh, a word purpose in Swahili, 
And what it means, they said, we try to give our kids purpose. No, you're not a street kid. You're a child of purpose. You're not a street kid that has been abandoned and no one cares about and you just got a, a life of crime and hopelessness in front of you. No, you've got a purpose. You've got gifts and you've got abilities and you've got this people around you who actually care. And as they started to change the identity of these children, all of a sudden they weren't found that these kids weren't going back on the streets and they were able then to literally show that it was true. They were able to go through the stats and show that by giving a child identity, they were able to take them off the streets. I think that's amazing. When Jesus says, I want you to call me our father, start your prayer with dad, what it's doing is it's changing your identity. All of a sudden, I'm not a product of maybe a flawed family system. All of a sudden, I'm not a product of all the things... I'm a product of my Father in heaven who's got a plan and a purpose for my life. All of a sudden, I, I'm not feeling like spiritually kind of bereft, like I, I, I'm just by myself in this world, like a spirit of an orphan. All of a sudden, I feel that God loves me. I, I feel like I have a Father. My identity shifts. And once you understand that God is your Father, once your identity shifts, you don't go back to feeling like an orphan. My children, they may have many complaints about my parenting, but none of them feel like an orphan because they know who their father is. Their identity isn't one of an orphan. Their identity is one of a parent to child. And when we come to our heavenly father and we see our identity change, our position changes. When Jesus said, go first with our Father, he was saying, before you ask the kingdom to come, before you ask for your daily bread, before you get your trespasses forgiven or forgive other people's trespasses, before you pray against temptation, understand that you're coming to your Father. Understand you're coming to your dad. What a difference that makes. I'm not coming to some austere person who doesn't really care about me but just has the ability to help me. I'm coming to my dad who only wants to help me. My father in heaven knows what the future holds. He knows what gifts and plans and abilities and, and purposes he's put into my spirit. He, he, he knows the harvest that he's prepared for us. And at different times he'll even discipline us because he loves us so that we can get the best out of who he's made us to be. Sometimes when we get a bit off track, sometimes when we get a bit of disobedience, he'll discipline us. Sometimes we'll think we know better and we need to suffer the consequences. You know, one of the things and one of the keys to enduring the discipline of our Father in heaven is just take it and not fight it. Imagine if your kids sometimes just took the discipline rather than defied the discipline, how much quicker it would be over for them. And one of the reasons you know that your children are growing up, one of the reasons you know that your children are actually maturing and becoming successful adults is they start to accept the discipline that you put on their lives. 
And part of the growth in the kingdom of God and growing in our discipleship of, of becoming more like Jesus is sometimes to just to accept the discipline that God puts on us, learn from it, and, change, and, and, and work some things into our lives. A father wants his children to be successful adults. And that's what God wants for us. You know, mothers and fathers have different roles in a kid's life. A father teaches their children resilience, where mothers bring nurturing and fathers bring the push-through. You know, the fathers are trying to teach their kids to push through, and mothers are trying to nurture the kids. The fathers need to teach their kids endurance. And I say this because this is what God does in our lives. Fathers need to teach their kids endurance, need to teach their kids perseverance, how to push through how to cope during hard times. You know, psychologists have shown us that, that kids who get everything they want in life actually grow up very badly. The, the results aren't that good. They don't know how to handle adversity. And unless things are going well in their lives, they can't actually cope with their lives because they haven't been taught how to handle setbacks, haven't been taught how to handle things that are unfair. It's not just unfair in their eyes. They are actually unfair. And fathers teach their kids through these times and that disciplines their children. You know, our Father in heaven will sometimes let us go through stuff because he knows what's best. He's trying to build resilience. He's trying to build coping mechanisms. He's trying to show us that there's spiritual warfare, that there's faith, that there's perseverance, that there's going to God. He's trying to get us to grow. God's discipline is there for us to grow, not to punish us. It's about us, not about God. God wants us to grow. You know, it was fine to change my kids' nappies when they were little. Didn't like it, but wouldn't be that good if I needed to change their nappies now. All right? Would it? Sorry. No. <laughs> something would have been on wrong. It indicates that something's wrong. If as an adult, you're still changing their nappies, something's wrong. In our early walk with God, so many things happen for us. But as we show maturity in God, we're doing many things ourselves. You know, if my girls came to me when they were little and they cut their finger, they go, blood, there's blood. And I'd, you know, let me just kiss it better. And magic kiss would all make it all better. Right? If Rachel or Tori or Jack comes running to me now and they go, cut my fingers, blood, blood. I go, tell someone who cares. No. Right? <laughs> Because there's a maturing effort. Maybe the band could come. See, our Father in heaven wants us to come to maturity. And sometimes he's not just going to come running because he knows we've actually got to go through something. It's not a sign that he doesn't love us. It's not a sign that he doesn't care for us. It's a sign that he actually does. But what happens is that he places himself near. So as I'm walking and trying to navigate this difficult time, when it does become too much, he just lifts me up. He gives me a word of encouragement. He gives me a word of prophecy. He gives something in my life that encourages my spirit. You know, I might want Tori to go through something and you pick the wrong day to sit on the front row, honey, and I'll pay for it at lunch, right? But what happens is that, right? Now I lost my train of thought there. So I literally lost my train of thought. God wants us to come to maturity. Just because it's tough at times doesn't mean he doesn't love us. There are times when I know Tori has to go through something, but getting her out of it isn't going to actually help her. 
but I don't just turn my back on it. I don't just go to another room. I don't just go, well, go on, get on with it yourself. But I monitor how she's going. And then I give her little encouragements. This is, as all, I don't want to really do this, that, mate. Come on, you can do it. And I, and I help her through that. And that's what God does. He may want us to go through it, but he's not going to make us go through it alone. He's not going to make us go through, oh, come on, I'm just going to stand here and see if you fail. No, he's going to make sure that we've got the, everything we need to be able to succeed. You know, over the years, I've seen Christians who haven't been mature and they get unstuck during tough times. I thought to myself, you can cry and weep and howl and men as much as you like. But it's, it's not because he doesn't love you. He's saying, Father, he's saying, son, daughter, it's time to grow. It's time to grow. I want my children to grow. I want my children to go. You see, when you're a new Christian, God just, he, he just like, he's, he's walk, he's, he walks with you. He's just, he's, he's just there. Then as you grow along, he kind of like walks alongside you. But as you become an older Christian, what happens is now you walk before him. He's still got your back. He's still making sure that something wrong happens, that you're okay, but you're now walking. You're now walking. God wants to parent you to a place where you understand the things of the Word. You understand the things of faith. You understand the things of the kingdom of God. Yes, there's always going to be something new and none of us are ever going to be making it perfect or all of those things. We always got something that God is working on. But he loves us and he's going to see us through. So I'm going to pray right now. Father, I come to you. And I ask that each one of us is reminded this morning of who you are. That you are our Father. You're not our judge. You're not our master. You do some of those roles and you do those things, but you are our heavenly Father. When Jesus came, he came and said, I, I come to show you the Father. I come to show you who God is. If you see me, you see the Father. And I pray, oh God, that, that we, as children of God, would grow in our understanding but even more than our understanding, our experience of you, our Father. Father, right now, everyone who feels like an orphan, are they loved by you? Did they disappoint you? Have you forgotten them? Father, I pray that that anyone who feels separated from you right now, by your Holy Spirit, come and touch them. Let them be able to say, Dad. Let them be able to say, Daddy. Father, let it be their addressing of you, a sign of their relationship with you, as they address you as Dad. 
Father, I ask that right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you.